0: Because people have been at home and people are confronted with, you know, the power of nature, both with the pandemic and certainly with the fires in California, the hurricanes, you know, in the Southeast, people care more about what they're putting in their bodies.
1: I am unwilling to give up, that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes. To get where I want to be I want to be you just want to make sure you will get knocked down but just make sure you don't get knocked out knocked out so knocked your out. only choice should be go focus on what you can control 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 hi everyone and welcome to the Kara Golden Show join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders We'll talk with founders entrepreneurs CEOs and really some of the most interesting people of our time can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from the Kara Golden Show, and I'm so excited to have my next guest here, Rodney Williams. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here with you, Kara super excited to have you here. So Rodney is the president and CEO of Belvedere Vodka. So very, very excited. I bet a few people on uh, this crazy week, election week, are enjoying some Belvedere Vodka out there, hopefully with Hint, right? So putting the two together. Let's
0: just hope it's (laughs) an election week.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So Rodney is just An amazing, amazing leader and so, so excited to talk just a little bit about his uh, journey and just overall what he's seeing and building a brand during this time, continuing to build a brand and operate a brand. And your last journey was CMO of Moat Hennessy, Mm -hmm. which is also kind of an iconic luxury brand too. And, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about that. You've been in the, the wine and spirits business for... A long, long time, and are just a legend in uh, your own right. So I'm very, I very talk excited. With you more often. <laughs> oh, I know, right? <laughs> but I mean that sincerely. I mean, you yeah. really have had just this amazing, amazing journey. So take us back. How did you find yourself in the wine and spirits business?
0: Well, I, I came out to the San Francisco Bay Area for a .dot com that turned into a .dot bomb. Oh, but it got me to California. Which one
1: was that? I'm curious. Well,
0: you won't know the startup called Chingari, and it was the suite of services for marketers. And, you know, we started the business in 2000, January, the market crashed in April. But by October, we were close a Series A of 21 million. But long story short, we totally over-engineered the solution. We needed a PhD to be able to use our our user interface. So it didn't go anywhere. But it happened that Robert Mandabi was looking for someone who had, you know, classic brand management background like I did from Procter & Gamble and Johnson Johnson. And so they brought me over because they said, you know, we've got a, a classic sort of brand challenge here. We haven't been growing in the last three or four years. And our, our lifestyle brands are brands between $10 and $25. And that's really where the volume is and where the profits are. So that's that's how I got into the wine business.
1: That's amazing. So then after that. Well,
0: yeah, we turned things around. We had a great team and, of course, phenomenal winemakers. We ended up being bought by Constellation Brands, who've been great stewards to the Robert Vandavi legend. And then I got hired away to work at Jackson Family Wines, another big family-owned company, to drive growth in Kendall Jackson. It was Jess Jackson was a legend in the industry and he really, you know, never took no for an answer. We said, Jess, it's the number one selling Chardonnay over $10. Well, you know, congratulations. He said, I want growth. I want to see your plan within three months. So we ended up launching something that was like the diametric opposite of Kendall Jackson, which is very rich and creamy, a Chardonnay that just was aged and still called Avant, Kendall Jackson Avant. It took off hundred thousand cases. First year, and then and Hennessy hired me to work on the Hennessy business and join a team there. Hennessy wasn't growing and really needed to be sort of reintroduced coming out of the, the 08 recession after four years of no growth to a new audience. And so we worked hard, came up with a different sort of campaign that was really about values that were shared by the core audience around pushing the limits of one's potential. It's the whole never stop, never settle campaign, and it's it's gone gangbusters. The business has now doubled in size and profits. So and, and Hennessy, just this year, for the first time, it's the second Spirits brand to ever make the Forbes 100 list of 100 best brands in the country. Yeah.
1: You know, it's interesting that you say that. Like I I love, you know, kind of hearing your energy on that. When you even years later, you know, you're still rooting for the brand, right? Still like really. I always say that. Like I, you know, there's definitely some people that decide that they're going to go and compete against kind of what they've built, I guess, but yeah. that for me has always been not necessarily the right thing to do. Like why would I want to destroy something that I had worked so hard on, right? And exactly. I And I think it's awesome to hear you, you know, think the same way about, you know, these brands, like you're proud of what you've built. Yeah. And then you move on and you go and do other things. And it doesn't mean that you want them to, you know, fail just because you left, which I think is growing, keep going. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Rosetta Stone works, and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn, quicker and easier than you ever imagined Too, Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Thinking about what's for dinner, but you haven't had a minute to even think about it before now? Well, let's not make that mistake again. I have a tip for you. Factor. Stress-free, delicious, ready-to-eat meals, just perfect for spring and summer yumminess. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes or less. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options. Keto, vegan, veggie, or calorie smart? Factor has you covered. Discover more than 60 add-ons every week too, like breakfast and on-the-go lunch choices. Snacks and beverages now too. Stay fueled and feel good all day long with whatever they are creating over at Factor for you. And the best part? Each meal is ready to eat in just two minutes or less. And who wouldn't want that? Factor is your solution for fast premium meals without the need for cooking. Get started today and fuel up for your spring and summer goals. What are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash golden50 and use code golden50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code golden50 at factormeals.com slash golden50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. That's code GOLDEN50 at FactorMeals.com slash GOLDEN50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active.
0: Like yeah. uh, When I was hired by Hennessy, my boss said to me at the time, You are the caretaker of Hennessy. And I feel that way, brother. And, you know, it's almost like running a marathon. You have the baton. Now you hand it off to the next person, the next team after you leave, but you want them to keep winning the race. Yeah, you're pulling you're for them all the way. No,
1: I love it. And even, you know, when you talked about the the dot bomb that you were a part of, I mean, it's just like I also love that I run into so many people today who almost apologized for like working for things that didn't work out. You know, they're like, let uh, me talk about something for about 15 seconds. And then I won't talk about it anymore. And I'm like, no, what did you learn? Like, what did you, yeah. you know, what did you do wrong? And, you know, I, I just came out with a book two weeks ago, actually, that. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, I'm it's very, very exciting. First time author. I just got the Wall Street Journal best business book just a couple of weeks ago. just came out. It's called Undaunted Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. And one of the things that I talk about is a story that we had with Starbucks. And, you know, I had it all figured out. Like, it was a great day when we got in there. We're in 11,000 locations. And then senior management decided after a year and a half that they were going to go in another direction. And they wanted to put food in the case. And, you know, and I sort of understood, you know, that they had a business decision to make. It didn't do anything for my business. I was about to lose millions of dollars worth of business. And, you know, after I sort of came to terms with it, what I realized that the reason why it was so important to me is that 40% of my business was in Starbucks hands. It had nothing to do with Starbucks, right? Right. It's like an account, if Belvedere, if 40% of your business could go away tomorrow as a leader like shame on you for allowing that to be that important to you. And so I talk about it in the book that, you know, what I learned from that experience was sure it was bad. I don't cry very often. I had a few tears. I was going to have to destroy product in the warehouse. Like there were just a lot of pain points, but I went back and I said, I will never put that much you know, in one basket. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, you have stories like that as well, oh, where right. you learn hard lessons and, right. and that just makes you better.
0: Right now we're dealing with uh, something quite similar with the pandemic because restaurant bars and nightclubs represent not quite that much, but, you know, not far off globally for Belvedere.
1: Mm-hmm. Long
0: been a staple of, uh, of the nightlife and the pandemic to sure. shut down everything. We're one of the featured brands at in in Ibiza at Ushuaia, which is regarded as yeah, know, the yeah. greatest nightclub. And I've uh, actually
1: been there as shocking as that. You may that not imagine not, me.
0: There <laughs> I'm, I'm was impressed. a long time ago when I was a lot
1: more fun that I've been there. So.
0: Well the the owners called us up, you know, uh, late March and we said, yeah, you know, this is looking bad and what are you thinking Are uh, you to reopen in the fall or and they said, no, no, we're done for the year. We're not reopening in 2020. I'm shocked, you know, one of the biggest nightclub operators in the world. And you know, now that the reality of the pandemic has settled with all of us and we've all been making our shifts, it seems less stunning. But I'm sure we're gonna look back at this moment as you look back at your Starbucks experience and say, wow, that was that was really something to experience and weather.
1: Well, and the fact that you're actually even talking about it right now, because I think so many people, they, you know, I talk about it a lot to entrepreneurs. I say, you know, what did I learn from that? Not to have 40% of my business in, you know, one person's hands outside of my own. The other thing that I have to diversify my business. And it's still the thing that I say today to accounts, you know, they're like, we are a very important partner. I'm like, you can still be an important partner and I can have other important partners because if you decide for whatever reason that something's going to happen or a pandemic hits or whatever, yeah. and I'm sitting there trying to figure out like, how do I recover? And yeah. like, that's not good. No. Right. That's, no. it, it's not good. And I've had more people in, you know, last two weeks who have read this book, who have said, you know, one of the chapters, there's a few of them in there. And but that's one of the chapters where, you know, I talk a lot in the book, too, about fear, and how sometimes you don't know what you're afraid of. But when something like this hits, then suddenly you are, you know, you're scared, right? You're really, really scared. And then you sit there and think about, okay, well, how can I never let this happen again? Right? And you do what you can to prepare and go through this process. But Anyway, I just th- I think it's a lot of um, you know, especially being a leader, and when you run into these hard times, it's like all you can do is is look forward and say, "I'm not going to allow that to happen again," and I'm going to be better prepared. And you still may be surprised along the way, yeah. but I think yeah, learned
0: very much so. You know, uh, one of the things that LVMH is pretty good about is having all of the business each year do force rankings of risk factors. So you're constantly thinking about what could go wrong, what could be catastrophic, what could be regional. But, you know, I don't think we had pandemic on the list. So it's really, really been an opportunity for us to uh, sort of pivot and change. Now, with these challenges, I'll say, also come some great opportunities. So we had developed a new communication platform about Belvedere, really highlighting the fact that we're all natural. And our initial reaction was, well, we're not going to be able to do much with this with the pandemic. But because people have been at home and people are confronted with, you know, the power of nature, both with the pandemic and certainly with the fires in California, the hurricanes, you know, in the southeast people care more about what they're putting in their bodies and, you know, what the ingredients are and that they're recognizable and high quality. So, so we rolled up our sleeves and figured out a different way into express the fact that we're made with nature.
1: That's awesome. And how's the campaign going? Well,
0: it's early days yet, Mm -hmm. but what we found was there's, there's a need to really tell our story. As I said, you know, we, We spent a lot of time in nightclubs Mm -hmm. and very high energy settings, but probably not as much time over the years really telling the story of craft. So Poland is the first country to appellate vodka the way France, Italy, or the U.S. appellates wine, such that you can't put any additives in the vodka. So Belvedere is made with just water from our artisanal wells and and rye and people are surprised there's no sugar there's no emulsifiers there are no additives that can be included in it. and i think the other other surprise where people tell us is that even though it's rye-based it's gluten-free so hmm. gluten is a really big model molecule yeah. and it's captured in the first pass of distillation but it is distilled four times But any any corn or rye-based distilled spirit is gluten-free. But a lot of people buy certain brands because they say it on the label. Uh, But we're global branding, and Europe you can't do that. Saying vodka is gluten-free on the label is like saying water is cholesterol-free. I mean, it's just – but people didn't know this. So, um, yeah, we're really on a platform where we want to inform people. Of the natural properties, and the response so far has really been great for the brand. We've, we're we're overperforming any expectation that we had at retail, and our online uh, e-commerce uh, sales are up a few hundred percent versus a year ago as a result of the uh, the pandemic. So that's that's gratifying. That's
1: gratifying. That's great. So your e-commerce. So could you guys do e-commerce as a spirits business? Because I know there were some laws about shipping. I've talked to some local craft people in the Bay Area, for example, who have shared that that whole business kind of opened up for them. Were you guys in the same situation? Same
0: situation. So we have to go through a third party through a distributor. And so they're behind the scenes in terms of distributing product. But having the sort of online partners to enable the sale was uh, was a tricky part. Mm-hmm. You've got to be compliant with all of the state laws. But there are services that, you know, had been around for a while and they're now blooming as a result of the, uh, the pandemic. And you know, we've been fortunate that they've been quite supportive of ability. Uh,
1: That's awesome. Well, I could see, actually, I'm thinking as you're, As you're talking about this, because I remember when we were starting Hint way back when, and uh, I thought it was as easy as putting fruit and water and like getting it on the shelf. And then what I realized is that we were actually not just starting a new product, but we were starting a new category. And the biggest challenge of starting a new category, which was unsweetened flavored water, was actually sharing with people why it was important. And so we did a lot of education and we haven't stopped educating. And part of the, you know, challenge for us as a brand early on was no one else felt that it was important to like educate. So everybody's like, well, if it was so important, then, you know, why isn't Coke and Pepsi talking about unsweetened flavored water? And I'm like, okay, well, let's think about this. Like what, what's on the door, Mm -hmm. you know? Sweetened products, and yeah. we're just talking about the consumer and health and what they're focused on. So we've learned a lot on that front, and and frankly, we we have a lot of people that also use Belvedere when they're you know. Not every day. (laughs) Oh, why not? Oh, why not? (laughs) But I think, you know, they talk about that too, because they are really focused on, you know, not having the additives and not having the sweeteners. And so it's super interesting to me. And I think it it makes a lot of sense. But not a lot of people are doing what you're doing, right? Like they are saying, you should know the brand. You shouldn't, you don't have to know what the ingredients are. And I think people do care.
0: Yeah, they do care. And, you know, what's funny about vodka in particular is that consumers for so long have had this impression that it has no taste. It's neutral spirit. You just mix it with, with something else to drink. I remember when I, when I first told a, a relative who's a big vodka drinker that uh, I was moving over to Belvedere. She said, well, I'm going to have to switch from, from Great Goose. And I told her all the reasons why. We're all natural. And, um, and her response was, Well, but isn't the whole point of vodka that it it has no taste? And and this is a loyal consumer, you know, speaking. So I I explained to her, no. In in fact, great vodka does impart taste and character. And rye, because Belvedere's made with rye, enables us to really have a a flavor we think is a bit distinct from, from some of the other sources of vodka in that if you had a sandwich, made with rye bread versus white bread, or even wheat bread. It's the mm-hmm. rye that really imparts the, uh, the flavor. But, but the real telltale sign that we're on the right path, it makes me think of your hint story. Sometimes the world comes to you versus you're having to go to It's that uh, two years ago, we launched a single estate vodka series, two bottles. We took the same Dankowski grain of rye, Mm-hmm. Planted it in, in, an, in an estate near the Baltics in the north of Poland and another in the west of Poland where the weather current in the winter is much more continental over here, mm-hmm. though it's less severe than the Baltics. So the rye is more hardy. If you've never had vodka in your entire life, you can taste the difference between the two single estates.
1: That's so interesting.
0: Yeah. And they've been warmly, warmly received. By the critics in terms of their ratings and scores, but what was interesting is about a year after launch, we got a letter from the TTB, the governing authority in the U.S. for uh, spirits labeling, and they said we need you to voluntarily give up the approval we gave you in your back labels of your single states because we noticed that you talk about taste and vodka is as defined going back to the prohibition. Has no taste. And we said, no, we won't give it up. And the next step is to have public hearings. And we said we would welcome public hearings. We'll even do public tastings, but we would welcome that challenge. We didn't hear back from them. And then just before the pandemic started, I think in late January, early February, they issued new guidance saying that they have modernized their definitions of vodka and it can have taste, it can have aroma, it can have character. So we're taking that as a personal victory. I love it.
1: <laughs> I love it. Well, I think what's so great too is you're taking an old, you know, iconic, nostalgic brand, and you're basically invigorating it by paying a close attention to your customer. And there's some customers that will not care. Right. Like, I mean, there, there there's some customers that get our product at Google and they're like, I don't know, it just tastes good. And I drink it all the time. Like I don't care about, you know, anything else about it other than the fact that it tastes great. But then we have others that are so passionate and they'll write to us. And, uh, you know, I share often with entrepreneurs and, you know, want to be entrepreneurs that the greatest thing is actually getting you know, this customer feedback that actually, you know, speaks to you and and really talks about, I mean, for us, they talk about health, they talk about, you know, I have a customer that just wrote me this morning talking to me about getting through breast cancer and and how, you know, just drinking Hint actually helped them to get through the chemo because the metallic taste that was in their mouth. And, you know, people are like, thank, goodness that I found this product. And when you get that kind of dialogue going with customers, I think it's like, it's such a powerful thing from us, so from a leadership. Yeah. Do you feel the same way? I'm sure you get
0: Very, very much. Very much. So we launched a new vodka as well earlier this year. And part of the gestalt behind it was that, you know, we want to be true to who we are mm-hmm. and that we're all natural. But our distillery has been operating for 110 years. It's the, one of the world's oldest continuously operating vodka distillers. And the guys are incredibly talented. And a lot of people don't realize the first written record of vodka is from Poland, mm-hmm. from 1405. So the Russians claim, you know, they invented vodka, but first written record is Polish. But we know from research, like a number of consumers have said, you know, vodka is the first thing I drank in high school, maybe before high school. And, you know, I would just mix it with something and I had not so great experiences. And as I got older, I wanted more craft spirits or wine. And I I don't want to go back to those sorts of experiences. But when we tell them that there's an opportunity to really have a craft experience within vodka mm-hmm. through Belvedere, people are, people are intrigued. So what we launched this year is something called Heritage 176, where we went back through the archives and rediscovered that up until like the late 1800s, early 1900s, rye vodka was malted Hmm. in order to separate the starch from the sugars. And as modern distillation columns were developed, they no longer needed to do the malting process. And they were, the the vodka makers were happy to leave that because it did give them more neutrality, less taste. We've always been about taste, Mm -hmm. after taste. So we went back to this old process to create a all natural malted rye vodka. So it actually has really distinct character and taste. I mean, you can put a big piece of ice and drink it almost like as a light sipping whiskey if you want but it's vodka
1: Interesting. and
0: it's, it's malted rye. And we call it Heritage 176 because 176 is the temperature in Fahrenheit where rye actually begins to malt. And so far the reception has been been wonderful. And what's also fascinating is that we did research behind this in five different countries on three different continents. And we did not expect consumers to have the same sort of uniform interest in things that are natural, but it's really, really consistent. Uh, and this is pre-pandemic. I think the pandemic may have only just started.
1: Like males, females, would you say males it's both? Males
0: and females, it's both. Interesting. But what's true about millennials and the younger adult consumers is that it's a big purchase driver, where I think for Gen X, boomers, we're hearing, yes, it's important, you know, but I really care about the taste, and I really care about sort of having a relationship with the brand. Where millennials are pretty much saying front and center, you know, simple ingredients being natural is the really beginning point and is a deal breaker for some of them. So it's quite heartening.
1: And would you say that that's global? I mean, because obviously you're you're a global brand. Would you think? Do you think it's pretty consistent throughout the globe?
0: Yeah. We are in 120 countries. And so we did formal, you know, qualitative, quantitative research in, in Germany, France, UK, US, and Australia. But we, you know, we've also done other more informal explorations in many other parts of the world. And we consistently are hearing the same things. I think mean, part of it is because of social media
1: mm-hmm.
0: that people are able to get and share ideas from all over, that the sense of value values around environment for young people is super important. And I think, you know, concern about climate change and what's happening only heightens that in terms of foodstuffs and what they're consuming and how they're they're
1: consuming. That's awesome. So managing during the pandemic, your leadership philosophy, I mean, you've never managed during a pandemic, I would assume, just like me, but what would you say is like the, the key thing that you've tried to focus on and what do you think you would advise people to really think about knowing what you know?
0: Well, what got us through was hyper communication. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we have a corporate office in New York, we have a distillery in Poland. We really needed it because we weren't physically together to begin with all the time, even though I'm in Poland eight times a year in a normal year. We really needed to over-communicate in terms of how we were responding, keeping people safe, and providing the right sort of guidance in terms of how people were to interact and social distance at work, how we could divide up the workforce to minimize the number of people on the distillery campus, how we would interact with vendors themselves. So, you know, it was, and it was as a leader, I think the, the thing that I came to value the most, and I'm still working towards being better is listening, is mm-hmm. really, really listening, so listening, input, and listening to it from really disparate quarters, so we were doing you know, leadership meetings every other day, weekly all-hands meetings to really keep the team together, keep the team informed until we got to the point where we we had real confidence that uh, the situation was was managed, and Poland, as a country, did a great job in terms of closing down the borders and managing the pandemic, though it is spiking there as it is in much of Europe right now.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's also the the other piece that I really learned, and over the last eight nine months, was that sometimes you just have to go one on one with some people that there's, you know, some really interesting situations that I'm sure you tackled too, where some people were living with, you know, elderly parents, or they were, you know, cancer survivors, when I didn't realize that they were cancer. So, or, you know, having kids that are homeschooled right now. I think like that's the same thing. It's like, you know, and I think be willing to go a little bit one-on-one, especially in scary situations where like we're experiencing, I think has been, you know, kind of the biggest thing that I've learned during this time. Yeah.
0: And, you know, and, and you talk about, you know, your Starbucks experience also a, a sense of real agility because we mm-hmm. had, we had never had, you know, big numbers of people working remotely. And mm-hmm. there, there were just concerns that you, you lose out on the water cooler discussions and the little tidbits that help people really feel motivated. And, but productivity has not suffered in this circumstance. So the businesses continue to go uh, perk along. One person who became uh, positive with COVID who was on, va- on holiday, on vacation, and actually got exposed that way, found out before he returned. But overall, yeah, we've had a great track record of keeping people safe, healthy, and we've not closed the distillery for one day. So, And everyone's very proud of that. Everyone is is very proud. But it took a lot of flexibility doing things differently. Our biggest challenge in Poland was getting the laptops. (laughs) Just didn't have that need for, for all of these laptops all of a sudden. So it was a scary time, I will say but uh, one that we're proud of how it came through.
1: I love it. I love it. So what was the best advice that you've ever received? And what advice would you give people today in just moving forward?
0: I would say some of the best advice is to really hang on to optimism. And mm-hmm. it seems, you know, a little cloy and, and, and trite to say, but but it's easy to lose that and become cynical or, overwhelmed in conditions that are, you know, really challenging from from different directions. When the pandemic first started, we moved to produce high alcohol content liquid that could be used for hand sanitizers. And it took us the better part of at least six weeks of day-in, day-out negotiations with the Polish government to do that, because They have huge constrictions against doing things that are are beyond one's permit in -hmm. their efforts to really clamp down on legal production of alcohol, you know, high content alcohol that's misused. But we found the right charity in Caritas. We partnered with the unit of Michelin, uh, which makes uh, hand sanitizers in Poland. And we're able to get it out to uh, first responders and, and hospitals. But it was, love that. it's because the team was so optimistic and so certain that we have to do this. We have to find a way to support and make a contribution. Yeah. In the end, it really felt worth it.
1: I love it because you're helping people, yeah. right? Yeah. People feel good about helping people. Right? And I love that. It's part of a
0: community. So we want to yeah. do what we can do.
1: I absolutely love it. So where do people reach you, Rodney? I mean, what's the best way to get a hold of you on social and hear more about what you guys are up to at Belvedere? Come to
0: belvederevodka.com and we'll see. We've got over 150 recipes and we have more information than you can imagine about the health and the content of our our product itself and all of the studies that prove that it's gluten-free and all-natural. And also, we've done a lot of work in terms of uh, green energy. We, we've cut CO2 emissions by 42% in 2012 to 2018. We got a big grant, first distillery to win a green energy grant in 2019. I love it. And we have a biomass capture facility coming online in first quarter of next year, such that we will have reduced uh, CO2 emissions by 80%. And the, the operations, the process of producing the vodka be carbon neutral so we're on a path on a path
1: that's amazing that's so terrific well great well thank you so much and everybody thanks for listening and if you liked this uh episode definitely give us five stars and rodney thank you so much for your time and stay safe and well and uh we'll definitely be excited to watch the made with nature campaign it's really awesome you You guys are Thanks. great at storytelling and I love it. So, And, and I'm going to get
0: your book on
1: it. <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. So, well, I'm excited about that and excited to hear what you think about it. So honored. All right. Great. Well, yes. thank you, everybody. Have a great rest of the week. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness.